You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. We, this morning, are in the very first week of a new series. Have you guys seen it in the newsletter on Facebook? We kind of blast it everywhere. It's a new series that we are, we're studying through the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the church in the region of Galatia. And the series, what we're going to look at, what we're going to focus on is this idea of being set free. You even heard a little bit about it in our reading this morning. What does it mean to be set free? What we're going to try and do is better understand how God's gospel, the gospel that Paul proclaims to us, has set us free in our everyday lives. Okay? That's what we're going to look at this morning. And there's another thing that's kind of happening at the same time in the church calendars. A couple things. We're entering into ordinary time. You notice the colors change. This is the color for growth. You can see even on this one. This is actually my dad's old stole he gave me. My dad's here today. You can tell him how awesome it is later. But it kind of shows the, the theme of growth, the, the trees and the growing time of the year. This is what this time of the year is for, for us to grow in our relationship with God. There's also another thing happening in the life of our church, and it's that we're entering into this third quarter of our year year of the family. We've been celebrating the church as family, trying to understand better what it means that we are a family of God made by these baptismal realities. If you've been baptized, you've entered into uh, God's family. So you're a family member, whether you're single, you're old, you're a child, you're married with kids. We all are part of this family. We all have a part to play. There's just a lot going on. Part of this year of the family, right now we're looking at this third quarter and we're looking at what does it mean to work as a family. We've looked at what does it mean to be a community as a family. We've looked at what does it mean to worship as a family. And now we're looking at what does it mean to work as a family. So we're entering into this time of work. And I know some of you are like, man, school's almost over or if it's not already done. Sean, we're tired. We don't want to go and start talking about work. We don't want to, we don't want to like press in and start working now that the summer started. This is the opposite idea of what most of us, trust me, I'm a little tired today too, what we're thinking when we think of work. Is that really work? Should work leave us just totally lifeless and empty? Huh. I don't think so. In fact, when you think of Jesus and his invitation to us to come and labor with him, is it a, is it a kind of labor that leaves us uh, empty and lifeless? Is it heavy? Is it burdensome? Or is it quite the opposite? Well, we're going to look at that. So this morning, though, taking our theme of work, taking this series of, of, that, of Set Free that we're reading through in Galatians, I'm going to ask you this. Think about this this morning. If you want to know which gospel you really believe, which gospel you actually practice in your life, look at the way you work. Think about this. What is the good life that you have in your head? This is the good life, according to me. Get it? Everybody get that picture in your head. This is the good life. Maybe it's sitting on a beach. Corona, Lyme, I don't know, kids playing in the pool, something like that. What's the good life? Everybody got it? Okay. What's the gospel that we know that Jesus proclaims to us? Now, are those two different in your head? Is the good life, the good news, that the thing we're working for, is that what Jesus is proclaiming to us? Is that what Paul is announcing to us? Are we working towards something else? Work is good. Work is really good. But we're working ultimately towards some idea of the good life, some good news to us, something we want, the thing we desire. If I came up to you and said, what do you want? You would describe something to me. And that's the thing that you're working for. Everybody with me? That just makes sense, right? 
So we can ask ourselves, what am I working for? What's that ultimate end? What's that gospel that I'm working for? Where do I spend most of myself, the best of me? Where do I spend that? And why? What's the dream I'm after? Underneath this kind of layer of busyness in our lives, we find some really deeply held, like, sacred convictions. Everybody has them about what that good life is, what that gospel is, what we work for. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's some idea about our career. Maybe it's certain pleasure or maybe it's certain relationships or some kind of happiness. We're all working for these things. And we say, this is the good life. We have that in our heads. Now, these things, they just, they're not just benign. They don't just sit there and are inactive. They actually make claims on our lives. They tell us what we want. They direct how we invest ourselves, our money, our time, our relationships. They, they have like a gravity on us that directs everything to this goal, this gospel. What we believe even gets shaped and formed by this thing, this idea of the good life that all of us have. Now, none of these things are bad. Family, career, like that's all good stuff, right? Stable job, paying off debt, career success, uh, a good reputation, being appreciated by others, respect maybe. These are all wonderful things. But check this out. Listen, they don't fulfill us and they tend to leave us empty. Sure, they may, they may be wonderful for a time. They may be awesome. They may provide some sort of high for you, some mountaintop experience. Like, man, today at work, that was my jam. I just like crushed it, honey. She'd be like, way to go. Then the next day and the next day you have all these, you know, life changes. And ultimately, those little temporary goals, those good lives, those gospels, if they're not the true gospel, they leave us kind of disoriented, fragmented, empty. They don't last. Work in that light becomes toil. Because you're working for something that just doesn't seem to stick, that just keeps going away, that avoids you, and it leaves you empty. Family, under that sense, family just kind of feels like it's set adrift. Where are we headed? We're not really sure. This good life is like, it's too evasive. It doesn't, we can't get a hold of it. Our lives are just kind of wandering and empty. And we're left asking this question, and I know all of us have asked this question, there's got to be more to life than this. I've asked that a few times in my life. Among the competing gospels that we are reaching for and working toward, we need to be reminded so regularly of what the truth is. That's why when we preach up here, when whoever's preaching, the the number one goal up here isn't to give you like four applications on how to like save money or better your marriage. That's all wonderful stuff. But what we're interested in here is like a way more important thing, and that is the proclamation of the gospel, the truth, the announcement, and here it is, that God is reconciling all things to himself through Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And that it's not just something we know about or it's something we put on a shelf, but God is actually at work day after day in our lives, drawing us closer to himself, bringing in uh, ourselves into this reconciliation, restoration project that the, uh, the whole world is caught up in. That's the truth. And that's exactly what Paul's dealing with. He writes to this church, just like ours, in Galatia, who has all of these competing gospels. He's, Paul has come in. He's built this beautiful foundation. This is what the family of God looks like. And then these other guys, these jokers, these, these, these like con artists, whoever they are, maybe they're well-intended. It doesn't matter. They come in with a different gospel. And they say, well, no, actually, if you want to be a member of the family of God, you've got to be a circumcised Jew. You first have to become a Jew before you become a Christian. And Paul writes, that is not the gospel that I proclaim to you, people. That is something else. And if you work toward that, you're going to be working towards some other gospel, and it's not true. 
That's exactly what Paul's talking about this morning in Galatians chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, um, you can change, uh, turn to chapter 1 with me in Galatians. We're going to be in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back. You're welcome to grab one. And by the way, if you just don't own a Bible, there are Bibles back there. Take one with you. It's a gift to us, for, from us to you. We'd love for you to have a Bible. All of you should have access to a Bible. So Paul's writing to these churches in Galatia that have heard the gospel from him, right? We talked about this. And they've come in and they've kind of discredited him and said, uh, what Paul proclaims to you, that's not true. Let, we'll tell you what the good life is. We'll tell you actually what the good news is. Become a Jew, then you become a Christian. Well, Paul, if you know anything about Paul, if you've read Paul anywhere, at least this is my kind of imaginative, if I ran into Paul in South Austin somewhere, he would be like, I think a type A kind of like, let's fight kind of guy. A little bit like Jonathan maybe, like kind of intense. I think that's actually... That's pretty true, isn't it? Uh, think about it. Well, Paul comes and he, he, he writes to this church. He hears, yeah, you're smiling because you know that's right about John. Paul comes in swinging in Galatians 1. He's not like, you know, let's, let's be nice about stuff. Paul comes in swinging. He says this. Can I read it to you? This is like a biblical bar fight. This is how I picture this. He's like, not in my house. Verse 1, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are with me. Who's with me? All the members of God's family. I don't know why you thought that these jokers could come into this house, my church, and proclaim a different gospel to you. But Paul says, let me remind you what you believe. Let me remind you what the gospel is. And just in case you're wondering about my credibility, let me remind you who I am. I am sent as a messenger of Christ himself. Not somebody else, but of Christ himself. And, by the way, God the Father. I'm sent as a messenger from God the Father. And if that wasn't enough, I'm sent as a messenger by the whole church. The Christian church is behind me. Jesus gave himself to set you free from this evil age. Not that you would become enslaved to these other false gospels, but that you would be set free from just this kind of thing, this very thing. And yet here you are, Paul says, basically, turning to another gospel. What happened? I'm shocked that you would turn to this gospel in verse 6, he says. And so he says this twice. He says it twice. And when you know when they repeat themselves, they, they mean to go to town. I mean, they're just like, let's, let's go at it. You need to hear this. If anyone preaches another gospel other than the gospel of Jesus, let them be cursed. You don't hear that very often. But you know, this is what I'm saying when he comes in swinging. Let them be cursed, he says. This isn't some attempt to gain some esteem. I'm not trying to appeal to you so that you like me. We're not trying to like please each other here. There are easier, way easier ways to do that. This isn't about making friends. This is about being Christ's own servant. Coming to you with the truth of the gospel, this message. So let's go over it again. Paul in verse 11 says this, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. Nor, uh, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's gospel, this message that he brings, think about this. He didn't get it from somebody else. He didn't read it in a book. He didn't even get it at a church. Paul was met on the road by a revelation of Jesus Christ himself and sent with this message. And it's not a message of like human optimism. It's not like feel good about yourself. It's not, it's certainly not self-help. 
It didn't come from certain traditions or schools or it didn't come from Wikipedia. You can't, he didn't look it up on the internet and find it somewhere. This is key. The gospel that Paul brings comes directly from Jesus Christ himself. And I think Paul does this honestly because he could say there, there's no higher rank that you can pull, that, that you can pull than that. Than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming with this message to me to give to you. There's no higher rank. There's no higher authority you can appeal to. I don't know who these jokers are that came into this house and told you something else, but I guarantee you they do not have a higher authority than Christ himself. And there is no greater message than what I'm telling you this morning, Paul says. Checkmate. See what I'm saying? He doesn't play games. Paul just says it how it is. So listen up, he says. This is it. Jesus gave himself to set you free from this present and evil age. In Christ himself, God has revealed the real gospel, the real good news, the real good life. That idea of the good life that we have in our heads, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You don't, have, you don't even know good life unless you know it in Jesus. This is the message that Paul brings to us. All of their com com competing counterfeit claims to the good life, all of those other narratives that our culture tells us about, you got to have a house, you got to have a career, you got to have notoriety, you got to write a book, you got to be famous, you got to like make an album, you got you know, you got to be famous on YouTube or something. If you're nobody unless hundreds and thousands of people know you or you have lots of money or something. Those, that's, what, that's what the world tells us. And Paul's saying all of those competing claims, all of those claims, they're fakes, they're phonies, they're counterfeits. Why? Because only in Jesus are you set free. Those other things will not set you free. Okay, I think we're all clear. We good on that? You guys hear me on that? Okay. Paul said it a few times. I had to say it a few times. So what gets in the way? Let's just be frank. Let's be real. Can we be real? What gets in the way of you and I believing a gospel like that. And what I mean by believing is not just cognitive assent, not just like intellectual buy-in, like I know about this, but actually seeing our life work changing, being rearranged under this new gospel that, that is true, that Paul gives to us. What gets in the way? Well, speaking from personal experience, first off, one of the things that gets in the way is asking the wrong question, approaching this in the wrong way. This is a question I find myself asking all the time and I've got to like correct myself. How do I fit the gospel into my work life? How do I fit the gospel in my life at home? How do I fit the gospel? How do I take the gospel and then apply it to friendships and my marriage and my finances and my education and like all of these? How do I fit the gospel on the things, these arrangements that I already have? It's not, a, it's not a terrible question, but it seems like the wrong question. We want to be faithful to Christ, but we still want to participate in our careers, right? We, st we don't want to check out of the rest of our lives. The Lord doesn't ask us to. We still want to participate in our reputations and our plans. We still have our political identities that we cannot give up on. And so we got to ask, how does the gospel fit into the current political convictions that I have? In other words, we'd rather transform the gospel to fit us than be transformed by the gospel. It's subtle, and I'm guilty of it. Did you catch that? We would rather change the gospel, transform it, customize it, so it fits so snugly into our life, just perfectly, without, without really making a mess, rather than being transformed by the gospel itself. But if we understood what the gospel is, we would be set free to believe in it. What is the gospel? Is it just some self-help? Is it good advice? Or is it good news? 
The gospel is, think about it this way, it is the pulling back of the curtain, the unveiling of reality. A revelation that sets us free to believe, to be changed, to be rearranged and converted by it. Here's the truth. Here's how God does things. Here is how he has done things through Jesus. Now get with the program. Now you have a true north that you have to rearrange your life to. You have to be rearranged and converted by it. And when we start believing in this news of Jesus and God working in the world, we're starting with reality. We're not starting with some other false starting point. Does that make sense? We've got to start with the truth, with the reality of Jesus. And then we ask God, in light of this reality, God, realign my life. Rearrange, I'm the one that's broken here, not the gospel. Lord, realign my life so that I can better participate with this reality of Jesus and all of the world that's being reconciled according to your goodwill. So often I find myself doing exactly the opposite. Can you relate to this? Trying to um, like eradicate doubts in my faith. Like I just got to put that away and then my Christianity will start to work better in my life. Or I got to know more about, if I only knew more about the Bible, if I could just get to the right place in the Bible real quick and like recite verses and stuff, everything would click. I would have decoded the Christian mystery and I would be like an easy Christian. Or maybe if I can just fix this one behavior in my life, um, then, I, then I can crack that code of Christianity perfectly practiced. Following Jesus will then just be easy and it'll make sense and it'll work for me. I think that's, I'm tempted to think that all the time. If I could just fit these things. Those are all great things. Like memorize the Bible, do that stuff. But behavior, like managing behavior is not going to somehow magically make following Jesus somehow easier or magical or working for you. That is all actually a different gospel. One that is, if you could say it this way, is, is actually trying to and concerned with fitting God into our arrangements on our terms, trying to make it work for us. And Paul is saying this. He's saying something quite the contrary. He's saying this. In the revelation of Jesus, you've been set free from all of that stuff. Those requirements... Those becoming a Jew and being circumcised before you can become a Christian, you've been set free from all that. You've been given the revelation of Jesus, the gospel. You've been set free to put your faith, your trust, to fully embrace that news. This is what Paul's saying. Reconsider what you think the gospel is. Remember, Christ has set you free from having to come to him as a circumcised Jew or as a male or as a landowner or having certain things sorted out before you can come to him and believe him and follow him. No, it doesn't work like that, Paul's saying. You're set free from all that. Don't try and fit Jesus into your paradigm. Don't try to make it work like that. Your way of doing things, all that stuff, you're set free. You're unchained from that. Instead, listen, in Jesus, the whole of our lives, every bit of it, every corner, every part of it that doesn't even make sense right now, that's difficult or that's burdensome or that's lacking hope, that just feels dark, all of that is being rearranged, resurrected, reordered, converted, is such a great word, to the goodwill of God. His way of doing things, his timing, his plan, the things he loves, his values, his political agendas, his family, his saving plan, not ours. We have to start with the gospel and then rearrange our lives accordingly. Church, we got to begin to understand who we are as a community, and we can only do that when we start with the news of the gospel. That's why we're up here like a broken record every Sunday announcing the gospel again and again and again because we need to hear it. We need to hear the news that... Everything else that we think may be in charge in our life is not in charge. Jesus is in charge. Christ is king. 
And so because of that, as a church community, this isn't just some individual thing that we're going to send you out, you're going to think about. This is like a community deal. This matters to us as a community. That changes some things for us. Instead of, as a church, being some consumer-oriented organization, that we exist to encourage individuals and make the best of their life, your best life now kind of stuff, like individuals and families, we're for you and we want you to just have like a happy life. We want to help you achieve your life goals, all that kind of stuff. Those are great things, wonderful. That's not why the church exists. That's not why we're here. We don't even offer good advice sometimes. I mean, that's not, we're not interested in offering you really good advice. If it's helpful, fantastic. But that's not primarily why we're here. We're not here even to cater to one another's needs as individuals. Make each other feel good. Like Paul's saying, I'm not here to like win your approval. That's not what this is about. Approval, friendship, advice, it's all good. I hope you're hearing me right. That's not what's most important. That's not why we're here. If that's why we're here, then there's another gospel at play. There's something else pulling the strings in our life. And, and I should say this, I really, resurrection, I hope you do give advice to each other. I hope you do love each other. I hope you enjoy coming to each other and, and like encouraging each other and helping each other fulfill goals and do all that stuff. That's wonderful. But the reason we're here and what Paul is saying is, look, you have been set free to put your faith in the gospel and be rearranged and put away those goals that maybe don't make sense with where God's taking you in your life and your family. And as a church, we get to, as a body, as a community of people, be made into one body that, that are made members of God's family. And now God's agenda, his plans, his goals, his vision, that's what dictates where we go. Not even mine, but the Lord's. We've been set free from all of those things that keep community from really congealing and coming together in love after the gospel and following Jesus. We've been set free as a community to believe the gospel. As a community, we have this dramatic conversion that happens every Sunday. When we come to this altar, all of these individuals... Throughout the week, they come up into one line to, re- to receive one body and then to be dramatically converted into that one body. The gospel is being realized, not just announced, but it's actually being realized in our lives as we come forward in Jesus and we put our faith in him and receive his body and blood. We don't do things as a church um, because they make sense for South Austin. We don't do things as a church because they make sense for us. Primarily, we do things as a church because the gospel has like rearranged us as a people. That's where our heart is. That's what we really want to get at. Why, we keep saying this. We've said this a bunch of times and you've heard this. What do we want, our church, our vision? We want life together in the goodness of South Austin. According to South No, that's not it. Anybody know what it is? Life together in the goodness of who? Of God. We want our lives to actually be conformed to his because we believe and we know that all those other competing gospels, they don't have the goodness of God. There's only one place to find that, and that's in Jesus. We want to do it his way. So Jesus doesn't have to invite us to accommodation, but to conversion. At the altar, it's not a negotiation between our plans and his at all. Our gospel, our version of the good life and his. It's no negotiation. There's no conversation happening at the altar. At the altar, we receive his life. We receive his gospel. We receive his way. Why? Because it's only found in Jesus, not in anything else. When we come forward with our palms up, we become a community of the cross and the resurrection. That's what happens to us. And I love this is what Stanley Harawas says. He says, and the cross is what happens when people take God's account of reality more more seriously than Caesar's. 
You hear that? Can I say it again? We become this community of the cross and the resurrection. And the cross and the resurrection is what happens when people like you and I take God's account of reality way more seriously than South Austin's account of reality. Or our job's account of reality. Or anything else. But when we take God's account of reality, what happens is a community of the cross and the resurrection. This morning, I want to invite you to... Be set free to believe the gospel, to put your faith, put your trust in the one who actually provides the goodness of God. There's nothing else in your lives, guys. Your jobs will not fulfill you. Your families will not fulfill you. Your bank account will not fulfill you. Those things will leave you empty and disoriented and fractured. And that's not a surprise. That's not a surprise to any of us. We see all of these celebrities, they have it all. What happens to so many of them? They're like, man, it's not found here, guys. Or they keep trying but it's not found there. Where is it found? It's found in Jesus. And that's what we're announcing to you this morning. This is what Paul is bringing to us in Galatians. Let me ask you these things, and then we'll spend a moment in silence. How do you need to be set free this morning? What are those false gospels that need to be put away in your life? Those, those dreams of the good life that aren't in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What things do you need to repent of and, and turn away from so that you can better allow yourself to cooperate with what God's doing in your life in the gospel? What is the good life that you're working for? Have you lost hope this morning? Are you burdened? Because work has become toil, because life has become empty. How can the gospel shed light in your life this morning? All of these things, I want to ask, what is God's invitation to us as individuals, but as a, as a church? God, what is, what is your invitation to us as we hear again, freshly, the truth about your gospel? With that, let's take a moment of silence for reflection as we prepare to come to the altar and receive the one who has set us free this morning. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.